0: my family, my friends, we are so honored that you are with us this weekend. This is an awesome weekend. What a weekend to be in church. Not only do we have powerful praise and worship, incredible fellowship with the community of believers here, but we also have a different preacher preaching in each service. So we have Pastor John Doherty preaching, Pastor Aaron Johnson, Pastor Sam Grosso, and Pastor Mark Kresge. The service you're in, you're going to hear an incredible sermon from one of those pastors pouring into our church. Come on, how we doing this morning? Yeah! Come on! 11 a.m. is Loud Crowd. You have been given a name, the Loud Crowd. Come on, listen, y'all had time for your coffee. Y'all had some time to get excited. I Man, it wasn't worship phenomenal. Oh my goodness, can we just give it up to the worship team for that new song that they just, come on. That album is going to be incredible. Uh, If I haven't had the privilege to meet you, my name is Mark, I serve here as a part of our pastoral team and a part of an amazing house that we call Victory. How many of y'all are just thankful uh, for this house? And I just wanna take a moment to honor our pastors, uh, Pastor Paul and Ashley, come on, do we love our pastors? I think they might be watching right now, so would you, come on, let them hear you. Come on, we love you, Pastor. We love you so much, we love Pastor Sharon, our founding pastor, and just what God is doing in this house is so uh, incredible. This is a great time to be a part of what God is doing in the church, and so uh, I'm excited to be able to share with you this morning, have a message on my heart. Uh, you know, recently it was, uh, I was asked to preach on a Wednesday evening in our midweek service, and I was praying about what to preach on, and I was going to preach uh, the word that I'm going to bring to you this morning, and as I was preparing it and writing things out, I felt like God spoke to my heart and said, Mark, save it for the weekend. And I said, "Well, God, I don't know if you know this or not, but I, the weekend, like I, I'm on the, I'm on the road. I'm just kind of listening and receiving and kind of taking that in." Uh, and, and then about a week later, Pastor Paul called me and said, hey, uh, would you be available maybe to preach uh, on one of our weekend services? And I was like, I got a word, uh, and I'm excited about it. And so, and I had already prepped it. I was ready to go. And, uh, and so here's why I say that is because I think that expectation really matters in a setting like this. You come in, and, and man, we want to release our faith that God, not a person necessarily, is going to speak to us, that today, the Holy Spirit is here. Come on, as we've, as we've lifted up his name, the Bible says that he meets us in this place. As the community comes together of God, he is there in the middle, and so we have to have faith for that today, to lean in with an expectation that God has something significant, unique, and special just for you, because we serve a good, heavenly Father. Amen? Amen. Come on, well, how many of y'all have your Bibles this morning? Let me see them. If you got your Bible, let me see it. Come on, wave it around. Like I just don't care, I don't know if that, does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense, awesome. Got some glowing Bibles, some paper Bibles. Come on, let me see those paper Bibles. Let me see those again. Come on, Jesus. Come on, something about it. Me and our youth pastor, man, we just love, Sam Grasso. Man, how, and, and I just wanna say this, amazing speakers this, this past weekend. Pastor Sam did a great job in our chapel. Pastor John Doherty last night, Saturday. And if you were here for the 9 a.m., Pastor A.J. Johnson just brought an incredible uh, word that God moved and, and just signs and wonders. It was awesome, people getting healed. and uh, and restored, amen. So if you have those Bibles, go ahead, turn with me to Philippians chapter four. Come on, make some noise. Philippians chapter four, we are the loud crowd. Philippians chapter four, verse 10, I'm gonna read a passage, we'll kind of break this down, and uh, we'll go into a title of today. So chapter four, verse 10 says, how I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know that you always have been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret to living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or with empty, with plenty or with little. Come on, for I can do everything. Everyone say everything, everything. through Christ who gives me strength. It's the apostle Paul writing this letter to the Philippian church. And as he's writing this, he's really diving into this concept of contentment. Everyone say contentment. And today I wanna to talk to you about this, this idea of contentment, no matter what your season, no matter what your circumstance, no matter what your situation, that there is a, a mandate on our lives, there is a call, an invitation, that you and I would be people of contentment. And so kind of a working definition for you, because that might not be an everyday uh, word that we use in our, in our vernacular language, but contentment is an inward, satisfied, peaceful disposition of heart. Really what contentment is, it's, it's being okay, even when your situation isn't. It's being okay on the inside even when your circumstances aren't. And if I can just say this, I would say that everyone, whether I've met you or not, every one of us, we want this. Is that we want to be at peace. We want to feel satisfied in life. We want to be a person of joy and overflow in our life. And this is really what the apostle Paul is getting after is that you can have this no matter what your situation or circumstance or season may look like. This is an incredible promise, and, and what we're gonna learn here this morning is the Apostle Paul is gonna teach you and I how to get it. Because here's what he said, is that I've learned the secret, because it is a secret, isn't it? You look around our world, you look around at life. For some of you, look at your own family and situation, and you maybe would not describe your life as the most peaceful internally maybe as the most joyful or feeling the most satisfied with overflow in your life. And man, these sounds like really big promises and good things, but the Apostle Paul, he's gonna teach us this morning how to learn contentment. So if you're taking notes, uh, I'd love for you to write down the title, Learning Contentment. Come on, say, Learning Contentment. Learning contentment. Would you pray with me? So Father, we love you, and uh, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. Father, we just, we just lay this service down at your feet. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you're already moving, already having your way. Lord, that you're speaking, Father, that you're already speaking through uh, words of knowledge and signs and wonders, God, that people are being healed. Even as we hear the word today, Father, we thank you uh, that you'd be lifted high, Jesus, in this service. I, I pray, Lord, that in my weakness, you would be strong. Lord, that you would bring about truth in a way that is a blessing to us and an honor to you. And so, Lord, we thank you for this service. We thank you for our pastors, Paul and Ashley. Lord, that as they are just refreshed in this season and taking some time to just hear from you and come close to your heart, Father, that you would just continue to overflow just a waterfall of your love and grace upon them. Father, we are so thankful, Lord, for the weight that they carry as senior pastors of this church. And so, Lord, give them wisdom, give them vision, give them direction for the things that you've called them to do. And in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen and amen. Well, um, As we're talking about this idea of contentment, it kind of reminded me of a story of about 10 years ago when I moved here uh, to Tulsa. I came here from Scranton, Pennsylvania, the electric city, and uh, when I moved here, come on somebody, any Office fans in the house? I know, it's like, it's waning, right? Um, and so I moved here about 10 years ago and, uh, and, I, and I got here to Tulsa and really loved it. I came from Victory College and it was an incredible uh, experience. God used the Bible school here to really transform some things in my life and my perspective and, and, uh, and the Victory internship and all of those things that really helped me to become the person that I am today. And so I, I was really grateful for that season, but at the same time, I remember you know, I moved here, didn't have a lot of money to my name, I kind of moved here at like $600 and kind of packed up my Oldsmobile Alero, right? You know those? And uh, so I got my whip and I, I drive down here from Pennsylvania and I, I get here to Tulsa, really excited about it, but I'm looking for a job and really the only one I can get at that time, I had one job in the mornings and in the afternoons and then at evenings I had to work another job just to support myself uh, here, at Vic, uh, here at, in Tulsa. And so I'm looking around and really the only job I can land that would work with my schedule was Walgreens awesome right that's usually the response that i get right uh, so if you work at walgreens and you're proud of that i'm really sorry you're not going to like the story but but i i i you know i get a job there at walgreens and they're paying me like a top dollar eight dollars an hour and uh and i'm really excited to kind of get in there and uh and then they start giving my job description right and so if you've ever worked in retail before you might know what i'm talking about uh you know they're like hey mark we want you to come in we want you to straighten these shelves every single day what they didn't tell me is that people are gonna come in and they're gonna allow their little their little children and they're gonna release them into the store and everything that you make beautiful and perfect and structured, they're gonna come through here like a tornado and they're gonna throw things on the floor and they're gonna spit up all over the place and it's gonna be awful. They didn't tell me that. And so I'm there and I'm like straightening shelves. So every day I show up, I'm straightening my shelves, I'm kinda getting everything nice and I just felt really angry at the people who, just, I'm like, get control of your children, right? I'm like, come on. I made this perfect and some adults as well, right, but, and so I'm, you know, you're doing this, right, some of you who work in retail, when you kind of fold the clothes on nice, and then people like me come in, and we're just like, ah, and kind of toss it around, you know, and you want to cuss, but you don't, because you're a Christian, that's awesome, and, all right, and so I'm kind of in that situation, right, so I'm kind of giving my life to the Lord, so it's, it's a fresh start, and so, so I, this is kind of happening, right, and then they hand me a broom, they said, Mark, we want you to go to the back, we want you to sweep the warehouse floor, Right? And I'm like, awesome. I'll take that broom, I'll go back there. And uh, I just gonna tell you, I had a really bad attitude. right? Have you ever had a bad attitude at a job before? And I'm sweeping this floor, and I'm just thinking to myself, I am 25 years old. <laughs> and I work at Walgreens in the back sweeping a floor. Man, somebody told me like I had a call of God on my life, that I was supposed to do all these awesome things. And look at me, 25, sitting in the back, angry at a bunch of toddlers, right, sweeping the floor. <laughs> Making eight dollars an hour, I'm like God. What is going on in my life? I, I would say this is that I would I was kind of in a place where I was like I don't think this could get any worse, right? So I thought. <laughs> yeah. So like the next day or it was, it, was, it was I'm sorry, the next week I'm working that front cash register and people are coming in and you know I'm having a good time with that kind of right because I'm doing the register. And and there was was kind of some drama in the back of the store at the pharmacy. He didn't know really what was going on. There was a a customer, he was angry, couldn't get some medication uh, that he was needing, and so uh, he storms out of the store, and I was like, oh, wow, drama, okay. And uh, and so the the, the woman who worked back there uh, in the pharmacy, she also had left for the day, and so about 15 minutes afterwards, I get a phone call, right, at the front register, Walgreens, uh, it it rings, and so I'm like, hello, this is Mark, thank you for calling Walgreens. How may I help you, right, because i was supposed to say. And, uh, and so uh, she says to me, Mark, 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 thank God it's you. And I was like, who is this? And she's like, it's me, I work in the pharmacy in the back. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, what's up? She said, you know the man who is yelling in the back at the pharmacy? And I said, yeah, yeah, I heard him. She said, he went out to his car and he got a gun. And, uh, and he's going back in the store, right? And I'm like, okay, and, and I, I kid you not, I look up and the man is standing directly in front of me while I've got this girl on the phone. And so I channeled, like, my inner, like, Bruce Willis movies. I'm like, what do I do in this moment? You know, I'm like, what would a negotiator do? I'm like, Samuel L. Jackson, where are you? And so I I just say, "Um, can you call mom and dad and let them know the news? And she goes, what? (laughs) I said, call mom and dad and please let them know what's happening. And she goes, oh, I get it, I get it. The cops, the cops, I'll call the cops. It's like, thank you. So I hang up the phone and this guy's just deadlock eyes with me right, right in the store. And I'm like, hey man, how's it going? <laughs> awful question, awful question. I'm like, how's it going? And he's like, awful. And I was like, yeah, me too. Yeah, today is awful. And I don't know what's going, right? I don't, what, I don't know what to do in this moment. I kind of have like a what would Jesus do moment. And I lean back and I just start praying in tongues under my breath. This guy's still staring at me. And I'm just like, like. And so I think I freaked him out a little bit, right? So he kind of walks away, and he's pacing back and forth, making me real nervous, but I'm praying, right? I'm like, what do I do? Jesus, what would you do? What would Bruce Willis do? I don't know. And, and so he's pacing, right? Next thing I know, this cop comes in, takes him to the ground. It was honestly one of the best days ever, right? He takes him to the ground. They get this guy handcuffed, all that other stuff, and right, here's the crazy thing. The guy never had a gun. Yeah, awful, right? And so we can learn from that, right? But here's the thing. I really enjoyed my time at Walgreens as an employee. I'll say this. I remember, though, I, I, I really did allow that season to kind of crush some contentment in my life. I, it was amazing how my outside circumstances, I allowed that to really steal away the inward contentment that I'm called to live with that every day I would leave work and I would just feel drained, I would feel sapped, I would have no joy, I just really despised my season because I'm supposed to be further along than this, I'm supposed to be better than this, it's, it wasn't supposed to look like this, and I've got all of these tensions that I'm wrestling around in my heart, and the reality was is I was allowing this outward circumstance to sap away the inward contentment that I'm called to live with. Now the reason that I share this is because I think that's pretty common for most of us here in the room is that for many of us, we, we allow circumstances, situations, seasons, things we walk through to sap away the contentment that we were called to live with. For some of you here in the room, you expected your current season to look differently than it does there are some unmet, some of you are laughing about it, that's awesome, Uh, but but you have some unmet expectations that you've encountered right now, perhaps in a relationship or uh, in your professional life or in your spiritual life, one way or another, I find that many people that get to a season and it's like, I didn't expect this. For some of you, you feel so behind right now. You just feel like I should be further, I should be making more, I should be you know, more influenced, I should be better in this. I, I constantly have to live with like feeling behind in my life and many times we fall into this trap. We fall into a trap that says, you know, listen, I'll be happy when I make more money. I will be happy when I get married. I will be happy when I'm single again. I will be happy in some area of my life but we fall into this idea and really this wrong trap that says I'll be peaceful when there are no problems. I'll be satisfied when I get into a different season. I will be content when my circumstances change. And this is where many many times we find this, right? because our contentment goes up and down with our outward circumstances. We're up one day when it's great, and man, if another season comes through, man, I've got no joy, I've got no peace, I've got no fulfillment, because my trust ultimately and wrongly is attached to my outward circumstances. And and I think without even realizing it, is that we fall into this trap and here's the reality, the Bible would say is that it does not work, right? The American uh, Psychological Association, they've put out so many different studies, right, showing that most people in life and in the United States live a generally discontent life. They find that like teenagers and into your 20s, they, they feel stress and overstress and anxiety, and then they get themselves into a place in their 30s where they just begin to feel like, okay, I'm, uh, I, I can't handle this, and all of a sudden it kind of goes into a sadness, and they say when you hit your 70s, that's when things get good again, Right? <laughs> So there is light at the end of the tunnel for some of you out there, right? So this is what they're saying, right? But Jesus has a better way than that. Can I just be honest with you? Like like, like we're called and expected to live with a contentment, how to be okay when things around us aren't okay. And so really what we're gonna look at here is the Apostle Paul, he's gonna give us a few thoughts uh, this morning on how to find this and how to live this in our lives. And so we're gonna break down Philippians chapter 4, verse 10 one more time. He says, he's writing this, to his friends, he says, how I praise the Lord that you're concerned about me again, and I know that you always have been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. So here's what Paul is saying. He said, listen, uh, I'm writing you a thank you note and just saying, hey, thank you so much for sending me that money, but here's what I want you to know, uh, is I was not sad, I was not depressed, I was not discouraged uh, until your money showed up. Like, it wasn't like when your money showed up and your support that, man, I got happy again, He's really wanting them to know that, man, I didn't actually even need it. I'm like, you didn't need it? Paul, Paul, you're sitting in a prison right now. You've got no one surrounding you, right? You've got no strong community, and all of a sudden you're saying, listen, but it's all right. Listen, I've learned how to be okay when things aren't okay. Whether it's plenty or whether it's little, I know how to be content. I know how to be at peace. I know how to experience joy. I know how to have satisfaction regardless of the outside circumstances. And he's writing this, and he says, because I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little. And so what Paul is saying here, and maybe it's good for us to know this, that this isn't a hypothetical situation. The apostle Paul knows he comes from education. He comes from a rich background. He comes from influence and status. He knows what it's like to have everything. And at the same time, right, as he was following Jesus, he was shipwrecked. And he was whipped and he was imprisoned and he was beat and he was mocked and he was persecuted. So he knows what it's like to have everything stripped away in his life. And here's what he's saying, "As I found there's a secret, is that my contentment does not have to, to be dictated by the circumstances that I'm facing in my season. So whether I'm on the mountaintop or I'm in the valley, there is a place that I can be where I am peaceful and joyful and fulfilled regardless of what's happening around me. And here's the secret in verse 13. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Come on, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Come on, how many of y'all got that tattoo, right? Come on, Jesus. I don't, but I should. So here's what he's gonna say, right? I wanna kinda give you three thoughts from the Apostle Paul here. Number one, if you're taking notes, is this. True contentment comes from trusting Christ. Is that true contentment, it comes from trusting Christ, right? Here's what he says, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So here's what he's not saying. He's not saying, man, I can run a marathon because God gives me strength, right? I can crush my finals even though I did not study because God gives me strength, right? My football team could beat your football team because through Christ, he gives us strength, right? That's not what he's saying, but here's what he is saying. He's saying that I can walk through every situation and circumstance and I can endure every circumstance and situation because I trust in the power of the one who is over me, and I trust that he loves me enough to do something about my situation. He's saying that there is a deep trust and, and a fulfillment that comes in my trust in Christ. He's saying I don't, I don't trust in the circumstance, I trust in my Savior. I trust in Christ for my ultimate peace and satisfaction and fulfillment and joy in my life. And this is what he's saying in Hebrews 13. He says keep your lives free from the love of money. Right, not money, but the love of it, and be content with what you have, because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? So he's saying, I don't need to freak out. I don't need to get all crazy when things didn't go according to plan. Who are the planners in the room, right? Yeah, you can raise your hand. It's okay, I'm there, right? And when things don't go according to plan or the structure changes a little bit and you're thinking to myself, oh no, what are we gonna do, right? And we freak out and we're like, wow, and we lose our joy and our peace and our fulfillment and satisfaction. And we're like, man, contentment just seems to ooze away from our lives because of the circumstances. And what he's saying is you don't have to freak out when that happens because you trust that there is someone who has power to do something about your situation. And there's someone who loves you enough who wants to do something about your situation. It reminds me, you know, of... um, my first time on a roller coaster, right? Any roller coaster fans in the house? I uh, Come on, that's a, the that's a noise you make. Good job, Andy, you raise your hands. And, uh, and so I was seven years old. I went to a, a theme park called Dorney Park, right, in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Okay, three of you know it. I love it. And, uh, and so I'm on this roller coaster, and uh, my, my, I have two older brothers. They convinced me and my father, uh, hey, you need to get on this, right? Well, here's what I didn't know. I'm terrified of heights, but I didn't know it yet, right? And so... <laughs> They convinced me, they talked me into getting on a 250 foot roller coaster called Steel Force, right? Just sounds intimidating. And, um, and so I'm seven years old and I'm like, all right, sounds great. I'll get on the roller coaster. And so my, my brothers, they kind of get on, they're sitting in front of us. I'm sitting next to my dad, you know, and I'm just naively like really happy in this moment. And then all of a sudden, you know, the climb, right? Like, took about 30 seconds. And I was like, whoa, what did I just get myself into? What is happening? Right now, right? Anxiety just starts to build. Some of you feel it right now, right? You're just like, oh my goodness. And I was just terrified, right? I start freaking out, right? Like, like there was no chill in that cart. I was, I, was make, I was embarrassing my family in that moment. I was crying, I was like, I'm gonna die! And I'm like screaming, right? And my brothers, my older brothers, are laughing hysterically in front of me. I was like, well, how do you have such an evil, dark heart that you would laugh at a seven-year-old who is just losing his mind right now because of this roller coaster? And I'm just like, what is wrong? I'm still getting over it. And and they're laughing and I'm crying, I'm crying, I'm freaking out. I'm like trying to get my belt off and stuff. And I'm like, that's a bad move, don't do that. And uh, my dad leans over to me in that moment and he says, Mark, 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 look at me, look at me. And I look at him and he says, hey, hey, it's okay. You can trust me. He said, I love you. I'm not gonna let anything happen to you. I've got you. And here's the crazy thing, right, in that moment, I'm looking at my dad right in the eyes and he starts saying this stuff to me and I believed him. <laughs> I trusted him. I was like, Dad, all right. And in that moment, this peace just comes over my heart. You know why? Because I trusted him in this moment where he says, all "Right." and so this is my dad. This is the person who has had power over me my entire life. The one who has protected me, the one who has provided for me, the one who has shown up and sacrificed for me. This is the one that I looked at as a hero in my life and still do. And I'm looking at my dad and he's saying, hey, I, I've got this. I'm okay. It's all right. You're going to make it. And I'm looking at his eyes, and I'm, and I'm going, okay. And, and here's the other thing is I knew my dad loved me. See, my dad isn't just powerful over my life, but he cares about me. And so I know, and he's proved it again and again and again throughout my seven years of life up to that point. And I just had this understanding that, God's, that, that God could take care of me, right, the same way my dad did. But here's the thing. So it's like ch 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 All of a sudden, you know, it goes down. And I was like, you liar. You know, I just like, and I was like, no, I didn't say that. I'm just kidding. But the point is this, is right. The point is this, is that you don't have to freak out when circumstances maybe not go your way, when situations and seasons and things that were maybe some expectations that you didn't hit. You don't have to freak out in those moments because there's a God who loves you and there's a God who's powerful enough to do something about the situation that you're facing. The second thing that he would tell us is this, is that thankfulness creates contentment. My second point is thankfulness creates contentment. I, uh, I, I came across this uh, Twitter feed, well, uh, th- on the Twitter feed one time in this, uh, this one account, and it was called Celebs Complain. I don't know if you've ever heard of it before, and uh, wasted way too much time on it. But as I'm reading uh, these, I, I just thought, I know this is church, let me just share a few of these tweets with you. Because uh, it's amazing how complaining is just the language of our culture. Isn't it amazing Like how often, maybe you don't even realize it, but statistically they say that people complain uh, majority of their day right, is that they just spend most of their week complaining about things, where they're not, what they should be doing, where they haven't been, uh, whatever that may be, but real negative conversations. And so I just thought celebrities, like people who should be comfortable, like people who should be like in a great place, uh, you know, they've got the money, they've got notoriety and status and influence and fame and all these things. You would think, man, if anyone isn't going to complain, celebrities. Yeah, I was deceived. And so Here's what it says, right? So I won't even say the names of who they are, but let me give you a few of them. Uh, first one is uh selfie on my yacht because the jetpack isn't working. Lame. Wow. My, my, my grandmother is making me take out the trash. I'm rich, I'm out. That one was 50 cent, I'll just tell you, that was 50 cent, right? What a gangster, huh? Um, I hate Christmas because everything is closed. I need excitement in my life. I'm so bored I'm losing my mind. I hate when, I, when they put olives in salads and still have pits in them, so gross. Like, I wanna dig around in my mouth for that. And so the, here's what, right? And so you're just listening to this and you're like, man, that sounds ridiculous. And then I think, but how, how often do we sound like that? Right, like in our day-to-day, right, when we just, we're just kinda of complaining about life or things that we face, and I might step on some toes today, but, but it's a reality for many of us, right? So much so that we, you know, as a team, we said, let's, let's actually go through some posts and some tweets of our victory members. Let's put them on some things, and let's just go ahead and put them on the screen so that you guys kinda get an idea of what I'm talking about. No, I'm just kidding, we're not gonna do that. <laughs> Some of y'all were waiting, you were just like, yes! <laughs> kind of savage church that you think this is? <laughs> so I forget, all right, I forget about the celebrities, forget about y'all, but here's the reality, right? They say that like 30, 40% of, like usually in people, right? 30 to 40% of people complain daily about something in their life, but here's the Apostle Paul. He's sitting in jail. He's got nobody around him. He's sitting in a place, probably in some sewage up to his waist, and he's writing a thank you note. He's writing a thank you letter, right? What is what is that he's learned, that he's in this place where he is able to actually say thank you? In 1 Thessalonians 5, it says, always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. So he's saying in those moments, right, he's saying God's will for you is to be thankful in every circumstance. And I know that there's times, or circumstances and times where you're tempted to compare yourself or your season or what you own or what you don't own on the people next to you. And discontentment just starts to whisper that, man, you're missing out. You don't have enough. Your season is not as good as you thought it was. Look what they're at. Look what they own. Look at the house they just bought. Look at the car they have. Look how many kids they just had. And so often discontentment is whispering that there's something more that you're missing out on. Right, it, wasn't it discontentment that led Adam and Eve to their failure? Wasn't it to a place where they said Satan shows up and whispers in their ear that, man, God's holding out? Right, your season, maybe it's good. Maybe you've got all these trees in the garden, but there's something that you're missing. And he just begins to whisper into the ears. But here's what thankfulness does. Thankfulness calls your attention back to what you actually have. Thankfulness actually says, man, look at that beautiful family you have. Man, look at the job that you have, that you can support your family. Man, look at the church that you're a part of. Man, look at the country that you get to live in. Man, thankfulness draws you back to a place of of understanding and realizing what you have. It gives you an opportunity to look at the scoreboard and go, oh, I'm winning. Oh, like I know like the season might be a little hard, might be a little tough right now, but I'm actually winning. And thankfulness is what does that, right? It drives you to a place of saying, man, look, actually, things are not as bad as I might not feel, and when my mind starts to run with, with, with a comparison or discontentment, I make a conscious decision to say, no, I am grateful. You know, my wife, you know, we, we lived in a, in a condo for the first five years of our marriage, and uh, my beautiful, wonderful wife Natalie's here today and awesome, and um, come on, yeah. Come on, marriage is awesome. For the first five years, though, we lived in this like 900-foot apartment, right? It's like condo. And uh, when we first moved in, it was like a palace. We were like, look at this place. We just bought it. So exciting, so good. And that was for about a year, right? And then about a year later, you're just like, why are we here? What's going on? I don't know, right? And you just, there's, a, there's this feeling of starting to get discontent. So my wife, what she did is she created this sign, uh, and she put it in our room, and she just put it next to our bed that said, and every morning, we saw it when we woke up, and it said, choose contentment. Choose contentment. That today, right, when we would start sitting down at dinners, we said, you know, we're going to be intentional with our thankfulness, so let's start having conversations at dinner of what we're grateful for. There's dreams and desires, things in us that aren't being fulfilled right now, but what are we thankful for? Let's draw our attention back to the things that God has done, that he is doing, that he's going to do, and we're going to be grateful and thankful, right? And here's the thing. Statistically, scientifically, right, people will say, right, and, and, and professionals will say that thankfulness actually creates a better life for you mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, in every way, right? It's almost like God was onto something, right? Is that if we're gonna be thankful people, we'll be blessed people. And so he calls us, if you wanna see contentment, joy, and peace, and satisfaction, would you be a grateful, thankful person? Because this, as First Thessalonians says, is God's will for you. And my last point for you is this. I love, Brian Houston says this, and so I stole this from him, but I don't think he'll mind. Be satisfied, but don't settle. Be satisfied in your life, be content, be full of joy, be full of peace, but also don't settle. Like don't be the person who says like, I'm grateful, I'm thankful, everything's good, so I'm just gonna sit right here and I'm never gonna dream for something more. Or I'm never gonna move forward into something more. I'm never gonna focus on something more that God's calling me to. I'm never, listen, I, I know, man, I've got dreams and desires, but look what God's already done, man, I don't wanna be greedy. But man, if God's putting dreams, desires, things on the inside of your heart, then man, why not? Why not be satisfied where you are and be content, but also say, but there's more. I'm at peace. And did you know the reality is is that you can be at peace in a season but still have unfulfilled desires? For so many of us, because we have unfulfilled desires, we allow it to steal the peace and allow it to steal the joy and allow it to steal satisfaction. But God says it doesn't have to be that way. Is that you can be a person at total peace in him to trust in one who has power over your life, who loves you with all of his heart who adopted you, who saved you, who brought you into his family. We could be thankful because you belong to Jesus. And this life is a vapor, whether it's 95 years or 19 years. Life is a vapor. And one day, every one of us will pass from this life to the next. And it's in those moments I say, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. Everything else in my life might go haywire. Everything I don't understand. But at the end of the day, I can still point back and say, God's given me his very best in Christ, so why won't he give me everything else? I had a conversation with a gentleman in the lobby this morning and he said, you know, my, my sister passed away and I'm kinda walking through these things and we just took a moment to reflect on Jesus. Mourning and grieving and those things are right and good and healthy. But I said, man, let's, let's come back to this idea. I said, what are you thankful for that Jesus has done in your life? we began to have this conversation, man, he was just glowing by the time we got done this conversation. He was so grateful for his his sister, grateful for his family members, grateful for his grandkids and his great grandkids. It was an amazing moment where we begin to see this, is that thankfulness really does create that contentment, but also there's a satisfaction you can have but still dream. I love what Matthew seven says. It says, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You parents, if you children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give him a stone instead? Or if they ask you for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people or imperfect people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? This is Jesus speaking. And he says, how much more will he give you good gifts And I love the language here, keep on. Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Be satisfied, be content, be at peace, but keep on asking and keep on seeking. There are desires, there are things that God has placed in you that you have settled with and you said, man, I don't need to move forward anymore. Perhaps maybe you just stopped trusting that God can answer that prayer. Perhaps there's some dreams and things of a business or or an album or a book or a relationship or something that you've just kind of set aside and said, man, God has forgotten me. And you sing the words that we sang here this morning, that man, I've not been forgotten. He's taken me by the hand. There's a part of you that says, kind of. But he's forgotten some areas. There's some things that he's left me abandoned in. And maybe you don't verbalize that. Maybe you don't vocalize it, but you feel it. Even as I say it right now, there's some tensions and things kind of surfacing in your heart that the Holy Spirit wants to deal with today. You know, for me, for Natalie and I, um, You know, we got married in in July of 2011. So uh, we've married seven years now and it's been the most amazing seven years. And, you know, we kind of had a plan coming into marriage. We're gonna get married. We're gonna kind of be married for about a year. And then we're gonna have kids, right? We're gonna start having kids. We're gonna start moving in this direction. And, you know, I I think for me, like one of the biggest dreams, if we're talking about dreams and desires that I've ever had is to be a father. I don't know what it is. Even when I was a kid, I would see dads playing with their kids and, you know, running around and stuff. And I was like, man, I'm really excited for that. Like I cannot wait for that day. Uh, there, there was actually a season where I was like, I don't even want to get married. I just want to have kids. But that's a whole other, you know, deal, right? And um, praise God for sanctification. So, so, I, but I've always like that's been like my dream, and so that was kind of the plan. Let's like, okay, one year, and then we'll start wanting to have kids. And so, you know, kind of the second year, and the third year, and the fourth year, and the fifth year into our marriage, and still, you know, we've been trying to have kids all this time, and and uh, just not getting pregnant, just not having not having a kid. And and uh, now here's what I'll say about that. I, I think that for some of us, maybe you're in that situation right now. I, I was in that situation, and I remember every day, my wife and I, or, or every week, or like in that season, we would just begin to continue to remind ourselves what we talked about, to be thankful, to be grateful, to be content, to say, you know what, God, we trust God. This is a desire in our heart, this is, some, this is a dream that we have, but right now, God's given us a young adult ministry, a part of this house to steward and to serve our pastors with, and God's given us you know, hundreds of young adults that we could pour into their lives, and we could go on mission trips, and we can do all these different things, and man, but at the same time, we're gonna be satisfied in our season, but we're not gonna settle. We're still gonna keep on asking. We're gonna keep on knocking. We're gonna keep on seeking, right? In prayer, right? So you guys get that, right? So And so we're, um, so we're moving on in this, and we're saying, man, we want God to do this in our lives. And, man, after three, four years, I was like, okay, God, like, maybe, maybe you're, you're kind of speaking to do something else or move in a different direction. And, um, you know, so we, uh, we thought, okay, it's four years. We should probably, you know, consult a doctor or something. And so we did. And so we went to, uh, you know, medical professional, and basically some tests came back, and they said, uh, you know, your wife's great, but, uh, but you're not. And, uh, man... It's hard. It's like really hard to hear when, like, your dream is, I want to be a dad. Like, I want to be a father. I, something I've I've wanted my whole life. And I was like, God, I'm trusting your timing here. And then this, and uh, I said, Okay, well, God, I'm gonna submit that to you as well. I'm gonna believe for healing. I'm gonna believe that you can do what you what, what you said you would do. I'm gonna I'm gonna surrender and yield this to you. But maybe God, you're calling us in different directions. So we started getting into the adoption process. So we went to Oklahoma City, we went to different places, and we met, and um, we started to gather some paperwork and home study stuff and, and money and finances and friends around us to support, and we started saying, okay, let's walk this journey out. And um, December 21st, we were here at a service, and Ron and Lynette Lewis, uh, from, they have a church up in New York City, and I believe one of the Carolinas, and uh, they came here to visit as a, as a traveling minister, and they were from Tulsa at one point, and. We knew they adopted uh, twin little girls, and so we said, oh, that's exciting. We're kind of in that season. Let's go talk to them. So we went around, and we kind of found them in the back, and uh, Pastor Paul invited us back to have a conversation with them, and we said, hey, we're really excited. We're kind of in this adoption process, and they looked at us and said, but do you want your own kids? I said, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, that would be great. That's a desire. You know, I didn't go into details, and he said, we're gonna pray for you. He said, we pray for people, they get pregnant. I was like, well, I'll receive it, all right. And... uh, (laughs) And so we're standing there, and he said, right, and so I was gonna show the video, probably take a little bit more time, because Pastor Paul's amazing, and uh, he was like, I'm videoing this. So um, kind of like a memorial day, and uh, it was awesome. And so just December 21st, and so they prayed for us. I went on a mission trip to Uganda. I came back after after, uh, about a week and a half, and uh, we were still just kind of believing, still walking out the adoption process, and just still believing God was gonna meet dreams, desires, all that kind of stuff. January 22nd, it was kinda getting close to our, we had a deadline that Sunday night. Like we had to have money in, we had to have paperwork in, we had to have all this stuff, and uh, I was hosting one of our guest speakers, uh, Pastor Larry Stockstill. I'm sitting on the front row with him, and Pastor Sharon turns to Natalie and I, and right before I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to come up and do ministry time, and, uh, and she leans over and she starts praying for us, grabs us both by the hands, and she starts saying, the supernatural will dominate the natural. And she said, the the child that you've been believing for, God's going to open your womb, God's going to correct what needs to be corrected, and he is going to give you the desires of your heart. And I'm just, you know, we're weeping, we're crying. I, like, walked up here on stage, I was like, all right, everybody, we're good. You know, like, I didn't know what to say. And we're just kind of in this moment, right? And and then that day, I go to drop him off the airport. Pastor Larry Stockstill has no idea our situation. Neither did Pastor Sharon. And he leans over and said, can I pray for you? Can I just pray for you and your wife? I said, sure. So he starts praying. He said, God, that you're gonna give them a child, that you're gonna do all these things. I was like, what is going on? So I I said to my wife, I said, said, Natalie, I feel like God is just speaking to us that we need to kind of put this thing on hold and just believe him uh, for this this supernatural miracle to take place and just wait on God. And she said, okay, I agree. But a week later, We show up at our our, our doorstep on our porch. Uh, There's a pair of little baby shoes, little blue baby shoes from a friend with a card that said, hey, we're believing with you. We're standing with you. And we just know God has something great for your future. And uh, we're here for you. And she, she we're talking about it and kind of like, oh, wow, this is amazing. And she goes, oh, wait a minute. I should take a pregnancy test. And I was like, go, 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 go. You know, like, (laughs) and so, (laughs) so she goes running into the bathroom and I'm kind of like pacing out in the living room. I don't even know why. I'm like, this will help. What do I do? And um. And all of a sudden I hear, <gasps> and I just knew it. I just was like, something's going on. So I run, I go running, right? Come on, no, hold, wait, just hold the applause. It's gonna get so good. I go running into the bathroom and she's looking at me and she's got, she, she's got a pregnancy test and she's like, it's possible, we're having a baby, it's so good, right? I go, take another one, <laughs> take another one, right? Had her take like three in a row, right? And then I drove down to Walgreens, down to the end of the street to buy like a works, ex- Walgreens, right? Come on, Jesus. <laughs> come on, God will redeem, right, and so, and so I went and bought the most expensive pregnancy test I can get, and I came running back to the house, she took that one, lo and behold, right, we had, she was like, man, we're having a baby, and I just, you know, we lose it, and we just started to rejoice, and here's what I, I learned kind of in that moment, is like, man, I'm just going to thank God when I feel full, but I am going to trust him when it looks low, when things look low in my life, I'm gonna trust him. But when things, when he comes through, I'm saying thank you, Jesus, for what you've done in our life. And so I have a, I have a picture of our family. Come on, look at that beautiful little boy. Come on. That's the fulfillment of a dream, ladies and gentlemen. And, and, and here's what we named him. We named him Jude Samuel. Jude means praise, Samuel means God hears and God answers. And so we named him Jude Samuel Kresge and he's like our little treasure. And It's been amazing, it's been awesome. But here's why I say this is that there's some dreams, there's some desires, there's some things that, have, that you have settled by not moving forward with and, and you have not trusted God with and today is the day that God wants to lead you to a place of not settling anymore. Man, I can be satisfied in my season but I can still dream for more, I can still ask for more, I can seek for more, I can knock for more, and God is wanting you to do that today. God is wanting you to know that today. So come on, would you stand to your feet around this room? And we're gonna go into a a moment of worship here, but I just believe the Holy Spirit wants to do something significant and fresh in your life here today. For some of you, you've been struggling in your season, discontent, unrest, lack of peace and joy in your life, and today is the day that God wants to bring you back. He's calling you back to trusting in him over your circumstances. He's calling you back to a place of thankfulness. He's calling you back to a place of not settling in your life. And I wanna give you this scripture. It was kind of an anchor for me for the last four years and that we were waiting for that. It's Psalm 37, three. It says, trust in the Lord and do good and you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything that you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. And so with heads bowed and eyes closed, a few questions for you today. Number one, man, you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior. You've never said, man, Jesus, I believe that you died on a cross for me, that you rose again so that I could have a relationship with you, and today you're saying, I wanna put my faith in Jesus. I want a fresh start with God today. If that's you, let me see your hand right where you are. Come on, raise them high, let me see them. Awesome, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anybody else, come on, raise it high, thank you so much thank you come on this is your moment right now you're saying yes to relationship with jesus come on this is your moment yes thank you so much thank you anybody else yes i see you in the back awesome thank you thank you jesus secondly i want to ask there's some of you in this room that you feel like peace and joy and satisfaction has left your life there are some unmet expectations there are some things going on right now in your season and you're saying i need my joy back I need my peace back. If that's you, just kind of see your hand right where you are. You're saying, I need a touch from God. Come on, awesome. So many of us, were saying yes to Jesus. We're saying yes to his promises today. And I just feel to share this. Some of you, you're needing some sort of miracle. Uh, here's what I believe. God can do for you what he did for me he can provide a child for you like he provided for my wife and i so if that's you today i'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand but i do want to ask you to come down to the front so come on if you raise your hand would you meet me right here at this altar we're going to worship we're going to take a moment come on victory family give it up for them come on let's celebrate what god is doing come on meet me right here at the front this is your morning this is your day come on victory let's celebrate come on let's celebrate we're moving we're moving forward we're moving forward. Come on, they're still coming. Come on down. Come on. This is your moment. Come on, keep it going. Keep it going. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. you are still coming. Come on. We'll wait for you. Come on. Come on, Victory Family, don't give up now. Come on, let's celebrate. Let's celebrate. Come on. There is a season shift happening in your life. A season shift happening for some of you right now. Come on, we're going to worship in this moment. Come on, we'll take two more minutes. We're going to worship, we're going to pray, and then we're going to dismiss. Come on, can we
1: worship together? Victory. Your ways are higher than mine. Your thoughts. So I take pleasure in surrender Your hand is always on time Even in the waiting I find I take pleasure in surrender
0: sing that with faith today make that your prayer season we trust you Jesus Lord I thank you Lord for joy joy unspeakable joy unexplainable Lord, I thank you Lord that there's not even a way to explain it but when they when they drive to work when they wake up in the morning when they go to bed at night there's a sense of contentment and fulfillment in their lives from relationship with you Lord I thank you Lord that we would understand the secret as the Apostle Paul understood the secret that my strength comes from a union with Jesus Christ. So Lord, we just say we're going on to maturity. We're going on from putting our emotional uh, fulfillment in things and in seasons and circumstances, but we're releasing our faith for more, for the fruit of the Spirit to be evident in our lives. In Jesus' name. Come on, church, let's pray this together. Say Jesus, I give you my life. I believe you died for me and that you rose again so I could have relationship with you. Come into my heart. Fill me with your spirit. Lead me. I'm all yours. God, I surrender my heart to you freshly this morning. Be my joy. Fill me with peace. I trust you. Thank you for the miraculous in my life for the dreams and the desires, for the promises that you've spoken. I say that I trust you, that you have strength to do something about it and the love to want to. In Jesus' name, come on. And everybody said Amen. amen and amen.